Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Al, and this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series one book at a time. Mm -hmm. This month, we're discussing book 25, Mm -hmm. The Truth. Mm -hmm. Let me summarize that for you. Movable type. Damn it. Also, I'm not cheating. That is that is the, the that main... That is it. That's it. That is the main narrative thrust... <laughs> thrust of this book. That uh, printing now happens. The newspaper exists. Also, um, one of our uh, eagle-eyed patrons came up with a better summary than my summary uh, last week. That is which true. Which is annoyingly perfect. Yeah. Thanks, JR. Yeah. JR says... The Watch Abroad. Yeah. Fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. So good. Damn it. Damn it. Damn it. Yeah, well. it's And then you suggested, why don't we at the end total up how many yeah. words are... So- yeah, okay. Well, you were doing it before I caught on to the fact that you were doing it. Also, you're better at it than me. No, you're just, you just want to win. I like to win at things. Well, let's just say you win and then spare me the, the humiliation. That's not... That. Th- I mean, is it even winning? No. Not when I just give up. Yeah. Not when you defeat me because, you know. Yeah, I need to, you got to have the taste of blood for it to be a victory. Yeah. So we went into this expecting you would hate it mm-hmm. and I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my memory is having long discussions with you and defending the parts of this book that I like, mm-hmm. but it turns out those parts are not like a good chunk of the it's book. It's not half of the book, the parts no. that you like. And I, I it's would... got a real Reaper Man uh, except that it is more cohesive. Everything it relates is. to one another. But it is, in terms it of is one book. In terms of jarring mm-hmm. different tones, you're correct. But in terms of narrative thread, everything relates to one another. And the bits weave in and out of each other, like everything touches and they all, you know, overlap. But But every time we cut away like I mean, honestly, I don't like very much about this book, mm-hmm. but every time we cut away from the people doing the paper stuff yeah sucks yeah the the people running the newspaper are the parts that i like and i really mm-hmm. like that um i would say there's like three main things there's yeah. that there's they enlist the city's beggars mm-hmm. to uh sell the newspapers mm-hmm. and that's foul ron and coffin henry mm-hmm. and the duck man and so on and so on and there is a lot of the, like i would say like a third a, of the it book it was a lot it was a it was uh-huh. a whole lot and then there are two sort of pulp fictiony uh, like hitman, hitman, ass- yeah, yeah. They're not like assassins, guild assassins. They're sort of they're like, from out of town, yeah, and they're like murderers for hire, yeah. And they're in the mold of, like I say, pulp fiction. And yeah. I say pulp fiction specifically because there's oh, a lot boy. of references. And this one, I think, came out like I think we're late '90s, early yeah. 2000s at this point. It was not a recent reference. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Have you seen it? Have you? He's hardly doing that at all anymore. Mm-hmm. And there is some good pop culture stuff in here, but that was just and okay. One would be fine. Yep. But there were four like, or five different recreations, and some of them are like it's long. Yeah, but some of them are pointless. Yeah. Like you know what they call a whatever in quorum. Mm-hmm. Like a, a what you're just saying that to say it. There's no good. No. It's not funny and there's no reason and it's, it's uh, that's some real moving picture shit there, man. That's what we call that now. Yeah, moving picture shit. Yeah. But okay, let's get into it. Okay, of the something from our planet happens in Ankhmore Pork. This is one of the better ones. I would say it doesn't really fall into that category. There is an entire scene where Vetinari discovers what's going on, mm-hmm. 
and goes through a whole checklist of mm-hmm. things. There's not stuff coming in from the dungeon dimensions, right? And you're not just doing stuff because you're possessed, right? And Dibbler's not involved with this, right? And mm-hmm. like, it seems to be Terry Pratchett very explicitly saying, I've learned my lesson. This is something different. But it is that type of a book where it's something that is happening that sort of catches the city on fire. But I will say this is that version Mm 2.0 and going forward, he'll do a bunch more like that in this mode where everything evolves organically. And I really like that. It evolves very organically. We start out with this dude, William Mm DeWord, who's, who's our main character Mm -hmm. who writes this sort of newsletter for uh, fancy people, fancy people like Lady Margalata and the, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the Duchess of wherever. Uh, Yeah. But like, you know, and the, the king of Lancre, like, yeah, uh, yeah Varence. Yeah. And like th- some of the most important people on the disc, he just walks around the city, find out what's going on and like uh, has an engraver uh, print out like 10 copies of this newsletter. And, and he sends sells it out each them. one for like $30. Yeah. And whatever. that's how he makes his livings. Yeah. And that evolves into there's there's one small contrivance, I thought, where he just sort of happens upon these dwarfs who have invented mm-hmm. movable type. But apart from that, everything evolves so naturally. And then they're like, well, now I could print my letter at a fraction of the cost and right. I can print lots of them at no cost, you know, at almost no cost. And this is another one of those medieval technology uh, sort of evolving into industrial revolution stuff. But it makes sense in context. Yeah. It's not like it magically shot through the ether. No, it's. A lot like the clax in that it takes a lot of things that really did exist, but extrapolates a little bit differently because, yeah, Gutenberg, movable mm-hmm. type, also probably the Chinese invented it first mm-hmm. because they invented a lot of things mm-hmm. before Europeans did. But just following the thread of Western, you know, movable type happened when Gutenberg, I believe, invented it. And then it took a long time for something like a newspaper to happen. And the way we know them anyway, but this is, that's the next thing. This also talks about, because um, uh, movable type, like a printing press type thing, the technology had existed, but everyone was against it. Yeah. In fact, that was addressed in previous yeah. books where someone said, why don't we make books mm-hmm. this way? And they're like, absolutely not. It's forbidden. And good looking out mm-hmm. like that he remembered good continuity where uh, Vetinari specifically says, you know what? Let's revisit that. Yes, it is allowed now. Also... Um, like when it was forbidden, the rulers were a little bit different yeah. and like Ridcully, like the, one of the, the major forces against mm-hmm. was, was the, the university saying, if you do this, magic's going to get all over the place. It's going to uh-huh. be bad. Um, but now they're saying no, but like, don't use it for magic books, but use it for everything else. Who cares? I like, we, we explore how it will help the university via the bursar. And this is a good instance of the wizards. Yeah. Because first of all, it's two characters. It's Rid Cully and the bursar who are very clear characters. The bursar finally gets a name. Yeah, that was weird. Which is, has always been my biggest complaint is like, give these characters names, give them personalities. And he already had one and now he has the other. And, the bursar who is a bursar mm-hmm. who is in charge of the finances of the university. And says, he's actually good at it. Yeah. Like that's like, you know, his his mental problems notwithstanding, he is good at his job. And what he says is, uh, hey, this could save us tons of money mm-hmm. that we pay to engravers. Mm-hmm. We could, you know, and, and Because Ridcully says, Yeah, there's the magical books, but there's all the rest of this paperwork that we do now as well. Right. 
and like all the forms, mm-hmm. like the admission forms and all the just the, the bureaucratic bullshit. And that's sort of what leads us into this is how it could help other people. But all of it, I think, just happens so naturally. And then photos mm-hmm. and then classified ads mm-hmm. and then like all the different pieces just sort of happen. And it's not I don't know why I did that. Everything logically follows the the plot is the plot is very clear well, I I in this the, the, and it makes like it's also like it's it makes um it makes internal sense and it right. doesn't feel contrived. Well I'm not I'm not talking about the plot in terms of like the events of the book so much as just the technological part of it because there's also yet another plot to take like to mm-hmm. to remove Vetinari from power and there's like other stuff going on. But I'm in pure terms of the thing that gets created mm-hmm. slash discovered. It's not some bullshit like we've seen in the other books. Right. And uh, like I say, that's the model going forward mm-hmm. because then with all the Moist von Lipfig books, you know, all of those things happen naturally as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah, just... We do the post office and we do yeah. the mint. And, and really do... the clacks happen yeah. the same way already. Yeah. And we'll get more into that later. But like, it's, you know, it's nice because I'd much rather see the city grow mm-hmm. naturally than just sort of weirdly Something artificially comes from the dungeon dimensions yeah. whatever but then inevitably it goes away again too mm-hmm. nobody's watching moving pictures anymore no there's a nice reference to uh music with rocks in mm-hmm. actually but uh which i might get to in a minute i have it, uh, one of my quotes right has that but uh other than that we've never heard it again like it, all those things go away and so here it's nice and this is going to stick around yeah and I like all this stuff. I like, there's a good, like, we definitely get more philosophical Terry Pratchett, more Mm -hmm. sociological Terry Pratchett, thinking about how society works and the importance of a free press. I love seeing Vimes and the Watch from a different perspective. Yes, and I love, the one thing about the, the press I do love is it is curtailing the watch. Like yes. I, I've talked about in previous podcasts where we're like "Ooh, the watch just kind of does what it fucking wants huh yeah and we're projecting a lot of our our modern sensibilities on the police rightfully so Mm -hmm. on on these fictional police and we just we've always had to like uh suspension of disbelief Mm -hmm. our way into yeah but he's a good man and these are good cops and now we're looking at it from the outside and not always Mm, nope sometimes volumes goes a little too far and there's a great thread Mm -hmm. where volumes hates it and wants to shut mm-hmm. it down and then he sort of begrudgingly works with them and by the end he's like well you're kind of an asshole but i see the point of this mm-hmm. and i like that because vime sees it's not just uh the paper uh watching the watch they're also watching all the nobility yeah. and what people get up to and political scheming and so he comes to see it as sort of a grudging ally or like the He's, uh, or at least an of, equalizer. One of them, I forget if it's uh, Vimes or DeWord says, we're not on the same side. We just happen to be standing side so, by side. This fi- time. This time, yeah. yeah. No, and I like all of that. And we're back at suspension of disbelief again because this is how the press is supposed to work in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to hold everyone accountable. And they're supposed to, like, there was a lot of talk about the truth as journalism sees right. it being the truth of today because tomorrow it will be something else. And it's that doesn't mean they're making it up. What that means is it's like science. It's like, here's our best theory. 
tomorrow we will prove it and you'll have that theory 2.0 and the right. next day it'll be more it's a living document everything constantly evolves that's how it's supposed to work and i think this resonated more with you than it did with me because you're way more into journalism and the myth of journalism yeah, I, than i am i i think it's really up its own ass i'm not saying that journalism's never done anything great because of course they, they have managed to do some pretty cool things and find some stuff out but i don't the the sort of the the glory days myth of it doesn't do anything for me i think it is a very important part of a civilized culture i think part of some of the problems we're having now mm-hmm. relate to the misapplication of journalism, mm-hmm. let's say. I'm trying to, to not get into all that, but I don't know. Well, I think it's impossible to talk about anything I without know. talking about current politics. Yeah, I know. Because they get into absolutely every aspect of our lives 100% But of also, the time. all of that is moving so fast, and yeah. people won't be hearing this until a year from now, so... Uh, It'll be the same. It won't, though. It'll be a new damn It'll thing. Be It'll be 50 bad. things later. Is the thing. Anyway, my point is, in an, in an ideal society, mm-hmm. in, a, in a, like a utopia world, journalists hold people in power accountable. I've right. always like been into that. And I, as as like a high school kid going into college age, I fancied myself like I worked on the, the school mm-hmm. paper. I worked for a couple of local papers. I wanted to... I wrote poetry for the school paper. Does that uh, count? Not, not as far as journalism oh, goes. <laughs> But like I like I was gonna major in journalism when I when I went to college. Mm-hmm. I, th- that's what I wanted to do, and I, that ended up not happening. But it it was a passion of mine, and there is still remnants of that. So, and I want to talk about my good thing. I like William DeWard, or to put it another mm-hmm. way, I hate him. Mm-hmm. But in that way that a well written character drawn from very real people can be hateable and also enjoyable to watch. He's this privileged rich kid with daddy issues who doesn't want to be that. And that that's that's what I like. About right. Him. I like that part. And this manifests in, me, in him being that sort of smug first year of college liberal who champions the working classes but wouldn't dare talk to one of them unless it's for his very important newspaper. Mm-hmm. I, I recently rewatched Amanda's favorite movie, Citizen Kane, which God, she, I fucking hate which Citizen she hates. Kane. And there's definitely shades of Charles Foster Kane in there. That can't be a coincidence. Ugh. Like the whole thing is like he's this rich entitled jerk, mm-hmm. but he thinks he's in touch with the common man and he's not at all. And there's a lot of that in William DeWord. There's a lot of like very good. Uh, oh, you've never. Well, there, I I highlighted at least one. Right. Let me let me find. OK, here's him talking about Sakharissa, who's another character we'll talk about right. in a minute. Now, why had he asked her to come along? Oh, yes, she was sensible, more or less, and did her grandfather's books, and frankly, William didn't meet many literate people. He met the sort to whom a pen was a piece of difficult machinery. If she knew what an apostrophe was, he could put up with the fact that she acted as if she was living in a previous century. Is this your office now? She whispered. I suppose so. You didn't tell me about the dwarfs. Do you mind? Oh, no, dwarfs are very law-abiding and respectable in my experience. William now realized that he was talking to a girl who had never been in certain streets when the bars were closing. Mm -hmm. Like, he's such a pompous... Like, everything is like that. He looks down and he thinks he's doing the right thing and he's coming from a good place. A lot of the time his heart is in the right place, but I will say I did not find William, like... He wasn't a love-to-hate character for me. Mm. I just hated him. That's fair. I just found him... I found his character difficult to read, difficult to get into. And I think part of that was because a lot of the 
book seemed to sort of be on his side. The It wasn't a situation where the narrator was saying, hey, this guy is kind of a dickhead. Mm. It was... It, like he's supposed to be a hero and I'm not going to say like he does heroic he's, that's things. What I was, yeah, he's doing heroic things, but, but the things that come out of his mouth are terrible. And not just that also at the, we have very different feelings about the end of the book. Yes. So let's talk about that a little bit. So at okay. the end of the, it turns out William, who's got daddy issues with his daddy. Yeah. It turns out his father is behind the plot to get rid of Lord Vetinari. Real quick. Yes. Um, you and I both have gone on at length about how we're sick of daddy issues in every oh, form of boy. Uh, just because I guess a lot of writers have them and think it's interesting, but it's in every piece of pop culture. It's mm-hmm. in Star Trek everywhere constantly. All the time. And what I realized was I don't think Discworld has any other ones. Mm-hmm. This might be the only one out of 40 books. So you know what? Let him do one. He I'm not going to complain about that part. I'm sick of daddy issues sort of overall, but that's yeah. not what... But it's not that's like not in this series. That's not what bothered me about, okay. about William. I d- but I did want to point out, mm-hmm. this is not a cliche in this series. It's the only time, as far as I can remember, that he, he uses this. So once is all right. And, I mean, he, it is a staple of Western literature. Yeah, and he doesn't constantly fall back on it like so many other things do, so... Good. But he also didn't seem to have a whole lot to say about it. Disagree. Like he was like like I don't think that Terry Pratchett really sort of satirized it or anything. He used it um sort of there's some effective uses, mm-hmm. but I think that from Terry Pratchett I sort of expected a little more, like a little mm-hmm. more sort of digging into it and poking holes in it and talking about it sort of in literature as, as a whole. Mm-hmm. I don't think he really sort of got his teeth into it. Used effectively a couple of times, but not really like... It was just a plot device. See, I don't know. He's got... This is the thing that appeals to me maybe the most, if I had to name like the one thing that I like about the second half of this series, Mm -hmm. is people trying to change. Yes. It's mainly Vimes. There's also some of it in Moist later. And there's other characters here and there. But the Black Ribboners, Mm -hmm. like there's so much of this. There's people who want to be better. And I like that a lot. And William is one of those people. And what he realizes is... I don't want to completely cut myself off from this because I'm still like my father, but I can use that instead of cut it, like just ignoring all of it. I can take this and I can wield it like a cudgel and use it for good instead of for bad. And that's not profound. That's not deep, but I like it. Well, so at the end of the book, it like I say, it turns out that uh, William's dad yeah. was behind the plot. There's a there's a shady dark room of conspirators smoking, and smoking yeah. men. And yeah. he's he's at the head of the table. Right. And um William figures it out mm-hmm. and he goes to confront him and William says, "Listen, you're going to leave town and get out of here and I'm not going to tell anyone it was mm-hmm. you." He published that this shady cabal thing was happening but he said i i could name names but i'm not going to yeah, and vimes and, presses him to name yeah, names and he, refuses and he won't to. Yeah. um and in that um he says he does it to protect the family name and it's not to protect his father but it's to protect the memory of his mother and his uh no, not memory she's still around is, no she's dead no he says I don't want my my mother to be married to a traitor. Oh, I thought she was dead. No. And then um, his his brother, who is definitely dead because he mm-hmm. died in the war, mm-hmm. and his sister, who I forget what happened to her, mm. but he's doing it to sort of protect the family name. And I think at the end of the day, 
that shows where William's true loyalties lie. He's protecting his family before he's telling the truth to the city that wants to hear the truth. He's not betraying his family. He's betraying the truth. And I think at the end, that is, um, like, it's understandable. I understand why he does it. But mm-hmm. in a book, in fiction, that's moral cowardice. Yeah. At, at when he has, when he has, like, a gun to his head and has to make a decision, I think he makes the decision that's, like, it, it's, he's being a hypocrite. He's going against his own ideals well, at the very end. I think by design, he is a bit of a hypocrite. But on the other hand, you're right about that. You are right that, that he should have gone through with it. Or at the very least, there was still 100 pages mm-hmm. of book after, or, you know, 50 pages of right. book after that. Someone should have called him out for that, if nothing else. Yep. Like, and maybe no Sakharissa knew and she could have said, hey, you're a hypocrite. But and no. there, there is a great sequence where he refuses to give up the names to Vimes. Yeah. But that could have been like revealing your sources because yeah. like keeping your sources from the police, that's noble. No, that's that's what I saw that yeah. as. But but what it is, nobody is called him out on his protecting cowardice. Protecting his dad. Yeah. Not mm. really, but protecting yeah. his family. Yeah. Um, no, that's a yeah. fair point. But also, I don't know. I feel like William is a pretty good idea for a character mm-hmm. that like... I would have liked to read another version of this mm-hmm. or like a second book in this yeah. about the newspaper that isn't filled with the other two thirds that I right. don't like and an improved version of all of these characters just like moving along as part of their evolution. But they... Right, where William starts out as a guy who's trying to be better but is deeply flawed yeah. and who makes mistakes and grows from the mistakes. Yeah. I don't think he grows from his mistakes in this. I don't mm. think he becomes... Um, more connected to people that he was raised to think of as lesser than he was at the beginning of the book. No, he doesn't do that, but I do think he learns some things and I do think he grows somewhat, but you're, you're probably right to say not enough. He doesn't have a full, I would, like he doesn't have a hero's journey. That's true. He has kind of like a hero's walk down the street. All right, but he also has a veterinary... It it becomes very clear as mm-hmm. the series progresses that that Nari might not always be facilitating all of these things, but he certainly lets them happen, and he has kind of a master plan for the city. And I feel like this is this particular cog's purpose. Yes, like he did do that. He did fulfill the city needs this, and now it has this. He wasn't capable of it at the beginning, and he was at the end. Not a hero's journey, but a workman's he journey is, or something he is he does what veterinary wants yeah and, i mean that's true of vimes and it's true of moist. it'll be vo- true it'll of moist tr- and, yeah, yeah it's, and, it's true of moist and, and other people to lesser extents but like um veterinary says in a in an earlier book drum no drum says to veterinary um if you like if we didn't have mr vimes mm-hmm. you would have had to make him and veterinary mm-hmm. says i rather think i did yeah who says i didn't yeah yeah uh, and that's something that's this here too like yeah. veterinary knows if the public is there's something in the public zeitgeist you're not gonna put a lid on it no you need to don't stop it, it. No. control it yeah because if you try and stop it it's gonna happen anyway you're not yeah. gonna like he knows Unc Morpork you're not gonna stop people from there from doing what they want but you can put people in place who can sort of manage it and he can understand how it works yeah yeah no and and like I say I do think the character grows in terms <laughs> of what his you know <laughs> his role yeah in, in society I, which is. is maybe not enough 
but it's something. And, and if he was a secondary character, mm-hmm. that would be enough. I I mean, he was he was absolutely the hero. There's it no question his, about that. And it was his, from his over his shoulder. But I but what I liked was the parts of the story that became more of an ensemble, mm-hmm. because the whole gang at the paper. Sakarissa was the start of a good character. There wasn't enough there, but there was something there. There wasn't a ton of meat on those bones. No, but she there was, was some sweater meat though, and we talked about that. I length. liked all the weird horny stuff because yep. it wasn't over the top. It was nope. just she's real hot and real stacked, mm-hmm. and everyone's trying like, to be polite and not look sideways at sideways. And... It's not like the leering stuff that we got with Angua in the early books. No, it's mm-hmm. it's like. He notices her curves and then he's real uncomfortable noticing Uh her curves because he wasn't trying to. Uh And she's kind of naive. And she starts out that way. That's what I'm saying. There's a bit of growth there as the as the story goes. And there's there's a decent like there's something there and there's a little bit of romantic tension, but it never pays off. And I like that. And there's uh, there's some things there's not enough, Uh but I'm saying there's her and then. I'm skipping over the big one because mm-hmm. we'll talk about that in a sec. My favorite yeah, character. Yeah, he's the best part of the book by far. 100%. Yeah. Uh, the dwarfs I yep. rather liked. Um, Good Mountain in particular, the the main one, uh, who's, I guess that's a translation of yep. Gutenberg, which is pretty good. Um, Invented the movable type when he's got the lads and it's, he's, all the dwarfs we've met in this series are very different. They're mm-hmm. all sort of like, they all are true to the ideas, like the ideals of the dwarfs. They all believe in the things that they believe in. But they're individuals. Yes. And this guy felt like such a unique, distinctive character from the get-go, and I liked him a lot. There's a great bit in this about um, they're talking about the dwarves learning how to turn uh, lead into gold. Yeah, that's that's the metaphor the book starts yeah. with. And what it means is that lead movable type yes. turns into gold because you can sell it. Yes. And that's very good. It is. And the dwarfs are always talking about gold, and they're also not very uh, metaphorical people. No, so lead this... into gold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's Speaking of like terrible wordplay mm-hmm. with all of that, the, the, the way they meet is like the machine like goes a little screwy right. and a part goes flying and hits William who happens to be walking by mm-hmm. and Good Mountain yells, stop the presses. Pretty funny. Terrible. Pretty funny. Actually, it was pretty good. You laughed. I did. I'm off the hook. But I did like him. Yep. His lads, he they needed were, a team. They, were they just, weren't fleshed they out. Were they were just didn't, some guys. They didn't need yeah. to be fleshed out. The main guy was. That's the important thing. They were all named after fonts, which mm-hmm. I thought was cute. I liked, um, and this is nothing, but I liked Good Mountain's typing. Yes. Where he sort of was poised over the different boxes of letters and yeah. he set it up in like a QWERTY style. Well, we've watched a lot of old mm-hmm. movies about, new, you know, the, the, His Girl Friday and then sort of the darker noir. Like Those uh, are the ones I like about newspaper guys being pieces of shit. Yeah, like Ace in the Hole. Oh, that lousy Ace in the Hole. Oh, but, um, if you guys haven't seen it. It's like just the dankest human misery. I just want to roll yeah. around. It's like just a puddle of despair. It's so good. Yeah. But um, th- there's a lot of those last minute mm-hmm. composing where the guy's writing the thing and someone else is typing it. And right. that was definitely drawn from that. Um, but yeah, the natural evolution of the, the, the why typewriters are right. the way they are was kind of cool. And I don't know. So the whole team at the newspaper and they get a, a, a troll, a bodyguard. Uh, who he's the complaints department yeah who yeah. isn't much no nope. but he's he's there and he's something and and there's a couple funny bits with him i like all of that but the star of the book oh, is the photographer it's my favorite character and my good thing it's, okay so it's otto von creek 
and he's from Uberveld mm-hmm. um, because like we're gonna get more of that yeah from here on yeah in. now that he's fleshed out what that mm-hmm. is you're gonna get all, like there's Igors around now and there's gonna be vampires and werewolves showing up and he fleshes out more the idea of the what what is called in this I don't think they mentioned the name of this in um, the Black the Ribboners the yeah Black they Ribbers. did because I know uh, Lady Margolotta Lady, is Lady Margolotta one, is one but I don't she's... know if they said the word Black River yes she did what I like is we've only seen this concept from privilege right we don't see what your average working guy goes through like she can pay people she can right buy animal blood or whatever she needs like she's in charge of things it's not that difficult but for a guy on the streets with a a job yeah like avoiding the the constant like she can shut herself alone Mm -hmm. in her castle and just order cases of Mm -hmm. bat blood or whatever right but he's got to walk around people and there's this great riff about the young women in their night dresses. Yeah, and... so what what triggers Otto to want to suck blood isn't seeing blood. Like, he sees blood a couple of times in the book, and he's like, no, 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 I've got a handle on it. I'm okay. He has but a couple of moments. But... what makes him, like, really sort of fall down and want to suck blood is usually seeing how, like, sexy Saccharissa is. Mm-hmm. Like, and there's but no, not only her. There's no, no romantic tension. It's no. not like he wants to No, and it's not a gross her. sexualizing thing no, either. No, it's, it's just, just a, a moment of, like, remembering, like, heaving bosoms and under underwired nightdresses yeah. and all that. Because we've talked about mm-hmm. uh, vampires a fair amount in mm-hmm. the series now, but we haven't talked about that aspect yet. Right. and The seductive aspect, the, you know, the women with their, their open windows at yep. night and their, you know flowy half see-through night shirts and and that's what makes him want to suck blood it's it's the sex not the actual blood yes and it's so funny and then there's a moment where um he says to william william i can give you some advice on women mm-hmm. uh, if you need some because he can tell that william and sacharissa have yeah sort there's of a something thing. going on there and uh, william's like you how could you give me advice yeah weird and, little foreign guy yeah, and he's like excuse me yeah I, <laughs> you know what dracula's get up to yeah, right you know how i swear that was back in the bad old days yeah but uh but there's so much to this character yep. there's the fact that he's a black ribboner yep and he really gives us an in to the black ribbon movement as well we learn yeah. more about it through yeah him. he goes to these like sort of wholesome sort of mm-hmm. church basement meetings mm-hmm. that sound a bit like aa and yeah. a bit just like a church group kind of thing and they sing these dumb songs. Yeah, and... like I will, I will drink the water, not the blo- not the B word. Yes. Yeah. And but there's so much more to him. And so he's got that. He's also um, they call like they start by saying iconographer and photographer. Yeah, that's been actually, around since yeah. the very first book. The photographer, the word photographer actually gets like introduced later in the book. Well, um, do you have that highlighted? Because I do. Because um, that is I have a bunch of I have a bunch of auto stuff highlighted. Well, of course. Honestly, it's fucking the only thing I highlighted because ah, yes. I didn't care about anything ah, yeah. else. Here, no, I have it. Ah, this is for my experiment," said Otto proudly. "You know that is another term for iconographer would be photographer from the old word photos in Latin, which means to prance around like an idiot, ordering everyone about as if you owned the place," said William. "Ah, you know it. Yeah." Also, I don't know that a lot of people listening will know who this is, but you will know who this is. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't Henning Vane make an excellent auto? So yeah. good. He's this, he's on a lot of, well, he's on a one particular British yeah. panel show that we listen to. He's, he's probably on some radio on panel shows too. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's a German comedian, which sounds sort of uh, uh, counterintuitive, but that's his, that's his bit. I'm a German here in England and I don't understand everything and I don't have a sense of humor. And he's hilarious. And, and it's very 
like you have to get dialed into his frequency but the the shtick is him trying to be english mm-hmm. and that's a lot of that with otto too yes ho ho chaps good good fellows let's let's all go down to the pub mm-hmm. and there's, there's because a lot he's of trying to act like not a not a traditional he wants to be vampire. one of the chaps yep. and there, there's a lot of good good mm-hmm. shtick there but there's so much more to him than that he's it's Lady Margalotta talked about power being mm-hmm. the replacement for blood. His replacement is light and working with light and photography. But in, and in I a, actually want to read an, oh, an auto quote. Um, and there was a shocked silent silence. Otto stood up and adjusted his cravat and dusted himself off. Only then did he look at the row of shocked faces. Well, he said sternly, what are you all looking at? It is just a normal reaction, that is all. I am working on it. Light is in all its forms my passion. Light is my canvas. Shadows are my brush. But strong light hurts you, said Sakarissa. It hurts vampires. Yes, it is a bit of a bugger, but there you go. Like, that's what he does. No, and there's a running bit, and it feels like one of those things I would get real sick of real quick. I was not. Every time he uses the flash, Mm -hmm. he turns to dust. Because it's too bright. Yes, it's basically like sunlight, and... Uh, these vampires follow the rule, you know, every vampire follows a completely different set of rules, but these follow the rule that if with a drop of blood, they can come back. And uh, at first, someone has to go get some. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, through William, he realizes, oh, if I carry a small little breakable vial with like a couple of drops of blood in it, I'll poof right back that up. When I poof, it'll break and mm-hmm. it'll it'll bring me back. And that's pretty cool. But I was saying in a broader sense, it is light that he's into, mm-hmm. but he talks about how recovering vampires the black ribboners throw themselves into some new passion yeah it doesn't matter it has to be something yes and for him it's photography Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of really good stuff about there's also a lot of stuff about dark light Mm -hmm. and a lot of weird shit that he does and every time he tries to explain it it feels like when a science person tries to Mm -hmm. explain string theory where it's like okay i understood the first three sentences and now i am lost and i think that was the joke there's some great stuff too where he says like some ominous phrases like the dark eyes of the mind and then he waits for there to be like rolling thunder because that's what happens in uberbalt and in ankh morpork it doesn't and he's like are you kidding me i said the dark eyes of the mind yeah no that's a that's a that's and that bit uh pays off uh, near the end. Yeah, because at the end he has like a scary speech and then all of a sudden it's starting to do it, like starting to have a thunderstorm and then he'll be like, look at that castle! And then... Mm-hmm. It's very good. No, there's a there's a bit where I'm looking for it. I swear that I highlighted it and now I cannot find it. It's near the end, right? Cause Which one? The where, where the... Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Uh, so they're... they're um, Near the end, like everything's going to hell because mm-hmm. it's the third act, and uh, their their press uh, is busted up, and they yep. can't they can't print, and, and they've got a big story. Yes, and so they go to the the, the competing paper mm-hmm. and threaten them, and uh, and the dwarfs are like uh, to the other dwarfs mm-hmm. working the press. They're like, look, you can all just go home, okay? Wink, wink. wink. And uh, and what happens if we don't go? Said the foreman, picking up a mallet. Well, said a voice by his ear. That's when you get. A headache. There was a flash of lightning and a roll of thunder. Otto punched the air triumphantly. Yes, he shouted, as the printers ran madly toward the doors. When you really, really need it, there it is. Let's try once more. Castle! The thunder rolled again. The vampire jumped up and down excitedly, coattails flying. Wow! Now we are cooking, Vic. Uh, once more, mid-feeling. What a big castle! 
The thunder was even louder this time. Otto did a little jig, beside himself with joy, tears running down his gray face. Music with Roxin, mm. he yelled. <laughs> and that was a good reference uh-huh. to music with Roxin because uh-huh. that's all it was. Yep. And yes, everything about this character. I loved so him. So great. I loved him so much. Yep. Very, very good. And uh, I enjoyed him every time he came back. But again, if it had been more of an ensemble with all of them, mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed it. But we barely talked about the other parts of the book. That sucks. Which I guess, well, let's get into your bad thing first, because that's one of the things. Oh, God. I wrote like a list of a hundred bad things. Well, I'm looking at the first sentence yeah. there. <laughs> I hated this, and I hated that, and I hate, 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 hate. I didn't um, hate any of it. I just found a lot of it dull. Um, but let's let's start with um, talking about Pin and Tulip, mm-hmm. who are the two like hitman guys, right? So, and in the in the classic English tradition, question mark? I mean, they're, they're Mr. Something and Mr. Something yeah. of the new firm. Yeah, I don't get that, but whatever. Whatever. It's supposed to sound cool. Is it though? Yes. Okay. And there actually is an English tradition of like these tough guys from yeah, I know. books and stuff. But again, it didn't feel like there was a whole lot being said. And no, if because... these guys were just showing up for like, if they just showed up for a tiny little bit just to be like threatening or whatever and yeah. they went away again, that would be fine. No, we follow them. Like they don't just show up to rough up the main characters. When they leave the room, we're continuing to follow their POV and like, why? And they're about a third of the book. Yeah. And Mr. Tulip is the big dumb one. Has some, a couple of interesting things. One. No, two. He's got the um, uh, art appreciation thing. That I liked because he keeps like going into churches and inspecting their, their fine like yeah uh, and there's a whole work there's a whole antiques roadshow shtick which i thought was a good pop culture reference because that one's not been worn into the ground and he's like well it'd be worth more if you had the original box yeah and that was funny because of the juxtaposition and it was really specific like there was some good specificity there that's super funny and then his other funny thing i thought was he wants to use drugs but doesn't know what drugs are and so he's snorting anything that looks like drugs and he gets sold like fake drugs all the time yeah. just for who knows like he just yeah. got bad people luck. see him coming yeah and they sell him you know like drain cleaner and i thought that got tedious it did at first it was funny though whereas the um I didn't think the art appreciation ever did. Like his yeah. friend, his his friend, Mr. Pin, goes to smash someone's head in and he takes away the thing he was going to smash him with. Because, because it's valuable because it, or it, it's one not, of a kind yeah, or it's whatever. Not so much that it's valuable, that it's precious. Right. Like it, it's it's right. important. No, I, artistic I, meaning. I liked that stuff and the drug stuff did get old, but at first yeah. it was okay. But then he had this way of swearing where mm-hmm. he would blank out the words and in the audiobook that just happens. So he says like, ing. you know, ing. And that's how it is in the like the yeah. There's book. a blank it's a, it's ing. A, it's a dash ing. It's yeah. not funny, and it goes on forever. And every ing thing he says, just ing sounds like this, and mm. it's ing tedious. I will say the end. There's kind of a funny bit where Sakarissa. That was funny. Says the ing thing, um, yeah. because she's too sort of proper to swear, but yeah. she feels like she can say that because it's not a swear. Oh, I took it as. I've never heard a swear in my life, but now I heard one, and this is what I think they sound and like. And she loves, and she starts doing it, and she's like, ing, ing, uh-huh. ing, ing. 
oh, that's delightful. You're an ing bastard. Yep. That, that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I, I thought there was some potential there. But yeah, these two... And Mr. Pin had nothing. Nothing. Like he was he he got flashed by dark light and started getting scared of like all the people he killed. That I liked. Yeah. That was the only good thing about their threat, I thought. And that actually the dark light thing, like the idea is that there are these worms like that, like salamanders. Eels. Eels mm-hmm. that um flash instead of flashing a bright strobe, they flash a strobe of darkness. Mm-hmm. And that feels very thuddy. Like that like the book thud like that dwarf mm. stuff where it's the all of like all of the different types of dark mm, i feel like it's way more interesting and way more thought I, out in that I, I agree but this feels like that type of idea i guess i could the see different that. types of dark but the dwarfs are real put off by it and more talk about how dwarfs aren't religious right but they are superstitious right and this is something that they they auto uses it in his uh like in his photography yeah this is his big experiment yeah and they hate it yeah and he says the dwarfs where i come from hate it but we we just won't mention it to these dwarfs Mm -hmm. and eventually they find out and they're like what are you doing and it shows you like things that aren't there or things from other realities or things or potential futures yeah, yeah all kinds of shit like that and for these two horrible murderers they start well they the one starts seeing his victims yeah or and he feels like he's being chased by them that was the only pulp fiction illusion that i liked because mm-hmm. it was an illusion and not just a like word for word quote that i'm sure was meant to be jules right going religious after they don't get hit by the bullets and right. i like that because that's how you do it you take the way the story's told and you apply it to a different character you don't just take the dialogue and change some words and he's all freaked out and he wants to turn to religion mm-hmm. and he tries to turn to uh mr tulip's dumb religion of you gotta have a potato right. that's his entire religion you gotta have a potato because he remembered something from his childhood yeah. that he like still believed in with like the the passion of a child's belief and that felt like Terry Pratchett, the atheist, saying, mm-hmm. I don't know, it all sounds this stupid to me. This you got to have a potato. <laughs> yeah, all, Flying spaghetti monster. All I mean, the thing is, like, putting aside Quentin Tarantino's monstrousness, because yes. I could do a yeah, 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 This yeah, Guy's yeah. a Monster podcast, um, Pulp Fiction uh, hasn't aged especially well. It's one of those movies that you remember really liking, and then you watch again, and you're like, eh, it's all right. I disagree. Eh. I still like it very much, but... Regardless, it, I mean, Tarantino's one of those uh, pastiche guys, Mm -hmm. and so is Terry Pratchett. Like, you take a bunch of sources that are similar, and you take, like, the common elements, and you spin that into something new. And instead of doing that, Terry Pratchett just just copied someone else's pastiche instead of making his own. Like, all the Uberwald stuff in the last two books was a lot of different versions of vampires and werewolves filtered through Terry Pratchett's sensibility. And like bleak Russian. Yeah, no, there was other things too, but I'm talking about just in pure terms of like something that pop culture is saturated with. He made it his own by starting with what was in pop culture and then tweaking it a little bit. This was just... Nothing. Two guys, I pictured them in suits, walking around and threatening people. Mm -hmm. One of them is a big dumb guy Mm -hmm. who is strong and the other one is a skinny like guy who is the smart guy yeah Yeah, and uh, again it didn't seem like he had anything to say about this sort of character archetype until like i say until the dark light Mm -hmm. thing and then until they die and i actually liked some of that there's some bits where they interact with death and i guess 
this is a new thing for death. It fits for me, but mm-hmm. it did feel kind of out of nowhere. Death, if you don't have a god, if you don't, if if you come to the afterlife and you don't have anyone to take you away, he's got to deal with you. And there is a good line where he says, I wish they wouldn't leave it to me. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense, though. It makes sense that on I mean, the disc where gods are real. Someone's got to deal with it. Yeah, but this doesn't come up very often because gods are real and most people believe in something. Yeah. But every now and then. I mean, what would happen to Granny? Granny doesn't believe in gods. Uh, that is a good question. Maybe yeah. we'll find out. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what lies ahead? We'll find out. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that stuff I liked because what it turned out is uh, Mr. Tulip, the big simple guy, mm-hmm. realizes, oh, I have a lot of stuff to think about. I have done like because the he he his religion is that you have to have your potato and everything will turn out all right, and also you have to be really sorry for the bad stuff you did. And that's not just words that he remembered. He really believes that. Yeah. And so death shows him all of the like the shitty things he's done and the murder and the pain and the suffering he's caused. And so Mr. Tulip says, so I have to be really sorry. Yeah. Wh- like his reaction to that is to sit in the black sand and say, I have a lot to think about. Yeah. And I, he said, you have to take a really good run up to yeah. be sorry enough for something like this. Yes. But that's his, like he actually says, okay, yeah, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think mm-hmm. for a long time. And Mr. Pin does not react that way. He just says, I've got my potato. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. sure I'm sorry. And Death's like, are you really sorry? And he's like, yeah, super mm-hmm. sorry. And so they both get reincarnated yep. and one of them gets to be something nice and one of them doesn't. And yeah. that's that's not a bad, like that bit I liked, but the whole lead up to them, bleh, It boring. was so long. And the thing is, we had other villains. It wasn't like everything had to hang on these guys. No, they like, were they were carrying out the real villain's plot. They weren't yeah. the really the villains. The, no, because you had the shady room and then the, the middle manager who's Mr. The, Slant. Yeah, who's the, the lawyer. The, and Mr. Slant was in this a, a lot and I was sort of thinking we'd get a little more into his character, but we don't. He's just a He's slimy a zombie lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, that's it. That's all he is. That's all there is and there's nothing else there and there's I don't some... understand why we spent so much time with him if there was nope. nothing more to say. There's some good bits near the end mm-hmm. where William's really putting the screws to mm-hmm. him but apart from that now he serves no real purpose uh, but you had other bad things as well um, yeah so there's this has the flaw of there's no women in this uh, <laughs> Sacharis is it Sacharis is in it then we have Angua is Angua makes a cameo appearance yeah and she has like three or four lines yeah and there's some funny bits about um, William thinking that Nobby is the werewolf on the watch I love all the Stuff that we know because we've read five or six watch books, but then the average citizen, mm-hmm. even the average informed mm-hmm. citizen, wink, knows there's a werewolf and assumes the weird looking guy must be it, but doesn't right. really like there's so many things that we take for granted, but they and don't know. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, you're we right. We definitely won't tell anyone else that Nobby Knobs is the werewolf. Wink, yeah. wink. And then we've got. Um, the landlady who runs William's house, yeah. who has like a couple of lines, but not a whole lot. Not a bad, colorful side character, but yeah. nothing to her. Uh, the the end. The end. There's, we have, there's real We have Queen us. Molly of the Beggars is mentioned. Mrs. Palm is mentioned. Um, the lady who runs the Exotic Dancers is mentioned. And there's a, a good bit about those three um, backing Vetinari despite the plot. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was about, but it made it pretty clear that 
the ladies like Havelock Vetinari, yep. which is and fine. Then the landlady at the end talks about oh, how he's handsome, a very handsome, man. very handsome yeah. man. Yeah, the when they're trying to replace him, the the guilds have mm-hmm. a have a uh, a vote, mm-hmm. and all the female heads of guilds do not. They're like, like absolutely not. No, Vetinari or nothing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, I read that as to be that. Vetinari understands that women have a place in society. Well, and and he other books have them. talked about how yeah. he's he's helped them get by, and that's part of it, maybe. But also, clearly, textually, part of it is, is they all think yeah. he's a hottie, which I kind of like. I mean, I get it. He's got that young Stalin thing going, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Irene. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's not going to listen to this. Uh, um, what else? Um, I, so I, I talked a little bit about how I don't like William. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like the character. And again, not a love to hate thing. Right. And something that kind of bothered me is he comes in to the, like, to the, the movable type, to the press, to the mm-hmm. newspaper. And he, um, Vetinari and Vime sort of tell him, like, this is your fucking problem. Yeah. Like, you're involved in, oh, you're involved in this? Now this is your problem. Yeah. But he sort of assumes leadership, even though, why? He didn't make up the printing press. Um, Sakharissa does um, newspaper stuff just as well as he does. She's the one who figures out what human interest is. I don't know. I liked, I liked the momentum of him not wanting... There was <laughs> some very blatant things about him not wanting to be in charge and being bulldozed into being in charge and Vetinari saying, so you will answer for this, right? And he's like, I don't have anything to mm-hmm. do with this. And Vetinari says, you will answer for this, right? And like, he didn't ask for it. It just keeps happening. And I kind of liked that. And there's some talk about how his dad is in charge of things because the words are always in charge of things. There could be and some I, of that. I, I, that's how there I There could be it. some I'm entitlement like, there. Ew, yuck. But there's definitely some veterinary yes. pushing him into it. There, That is very obviously stated. And I kind of liked that because I kind of like, I don't know, I just walked into this dwarf's mm-hmm. workshop by accident. And I now I'm in charge. Of, no. And it felt very like, it just yeah and it felt like gross entitlement i get what you're saying i think you're wrong because the book said otherwise it actually said it and Nari said you're in charge but he shouldn't be in charge of good mountain because good mountains like it's all wanted him to be he just wanted to make stuff he didn't care what it was like he wanted to make money they said that there was a whole thing about them packing up and leaving because they were just there to make money. And I think I have a quote about that. I, I highlighted them. There are a lot of good little passages in this. You have to admit there were a lot of like good individual of good. Yeah. Good bits of business, as as some people might say. Um, no, that was just a line that I liked yeah. uh, when they're talking about leaving. Like, uh, I don't mind saying some of the lads are talking about selling up and going back to the lead mines. You can't do that. Ah, well, said Good Mountain. You mean you don't want us to? Mm-hmm. I like that. He doesn't take shit from William when it's when it comes down to it. Yeah, I just felt ugh. like I say, I just didn't didn't care for the didn't care for the character. Didn't mm. feel like it was right. clear. It was. I felt it was unclear. I disagree, but we can do that. Mm-hmm. But you, you will agree that the the rest of the book, even if you didn't like that part. It was better than oh, yeah, this, the other parts. This is the bits that had auto in them. Yeah. And yeah. the last thing we haven't talked about yet is my bad thing, Ugh. which is the beggars. We've talked about them before because mm-hmm. they've come up a lot. And one or both of us may have even used them as our bad thing before. But I'm doing it again because they're such a huge part of this book. Again, a third of the book. Yeah. When Nearly I, a third of the crew. They're selling the newspapers. Mm-hmm. That's their only purpose in the story. And eventually... 
they're you like Gaspode is around, thankfully, because yeah. Gaspode is the only, you know. And so. they get Veterinary's dog Waffles, who's right. the only witness to the uh to the 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 crime plot. Right. And Oh uh, Waffles. Yeah. And <laughs> Gaspode ends up in drag, mm-hmm. which this is the whole drag period, mm-hmm. like the whole cross dressing section of Discworld, starting in like um Last Continent. And uh, extend or whichever the watchbook was, right. where Nobby like it just happened a Jingo. bunch, and it's it's never really a judgment. Here he's just in disguise Gets because a disguise and they they're looking him... for terriers, so they do him up to look like a poodle. And uh, the the line is um, everything about his like how he's dressed up mm-hmm. says poodle, except he doesn't look like a poodle. Right, very good. Yeah, and when I first read this series, I thought. Millennium Hand and Shrimp was a cute turn of phrase, mm-hmm. and I didn't think too much more about it. And maybe if it was just a passing paragraph in the occasional book, I wouldn't mind so much. But about a third of the story is, ha ha ha, the homeless, look how mentally ill they are. Also, they smell bad. Ugh, and there's sucks. a lot about how bad they smell, and it's like, come on, man. It sucks. You're, you're supposed to punch up, and mm-hmm. you can't punch more down than the forgotten men as they used to call them yeah. like this is sad it's not funny it's not funny they're mentally ill and they don't have homes mm-hmm. and they okay. have to scrabble for food maybe ha you... ha ha yeah that's just and that's the joke that that's the thing is that is the joke that he is, is the... absolutely capable of writing a complex homeless character who was also a jerk mm-hmm. But that's not what he's doing. He's just making fun at their situation. And again, and... it's coming from the narrator. Yeah. It's not like someone snooty. Like, it's not like... No, it's not William, William yeah, looking down Yeah, it's not William. I mean, he does, but it's, it's but he, not... What I like about the way William does is he thinks he's hanging. Mm-hmm. He drinks their tea, and he's like, I'm one of the people. Oh, no, I love not. it. I love it you're because... Not, William. But that, that was intentional. Yeah, that was definitely intentional. He's, Oh, I'm into. I'm one of the common people. Mm. No, he's not. Oh, I hate him so much. I love him. And, but yeah, it's not just coming from him. It's coming from the narrator. The yeah. narrator's like, "Ha ha, so funny. These guys smell bad. And it ha just ha, goes... they don't have enough to eat. They might starve to death and freeze in the winter. They Hilarious. Eat old boots. Yeah. No, it's not great. And and it's a lot of the book. It is a ton of the book. Yeah. And Gaspode is with them, which is something. Yep. Gaspode is still great. Yep. But that's it like there's nothing else yeah i don't care for that i feel like he could have tried a little harder to come up with something a little better that was like the first draft version of that joke but uh, just why man why 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 you do this uh what else there's Um... there's a bit where the masthead of the paper is misprinted so that it says the truth will make you fret yeah, and there's another one, the uh, the truth shall, shall make you fear. That's near the end yeah. after the the dark light thing happens, which I like. <laughs> I remember there being one that was the truth shall make ye frep, but mm, I couldn't find it. Maybe that's in a different... Well, you if you searched, you wouldn't mm-hmm. find it. An interesting thing about this, uh, the print version and the digital version have these graphics mm-hmm. where for the newspaper. They're not text that you could search. They're embedded oh, graphics. because I remembered it saying yes. that the, the truth. It may very yeah. well have. Because I liked all, all of those made me when laugh. You, when we're looking through our Kindle version, mm-hmm. uh, when you get to the newspaper, like you see the masthead, someone did a little graphic and embembedded oh, that in the book. Oh, that's right. Because so, I was like, am I crazy? 
crazy? I, th- I remember be being there. fresh. I don't remember it being in there, yeah. but you, it may be in there. But that's why you couldn't find it if you did a search. But I enjoyed all of those. Yeah, those were, those were cute. Yeah. And we'll go into that again with mm-hmm. the post office later. Yeah. Like, he, he likes a dumb, Misprint, you know. Misprint, yeah. Yeah, which is a, a easy, easy humor, but that's okay. Um, What else? Two more auto things. Okay. <laughs> My favorite thing. Yes. I, I did not care for this book, but the thing I loved, I love so much. And he'll show up again. Yeah. Like, this was one of the, this was the first, mm-hmm. I would say, Ankh Morpork ensemble book. Yep. There is, like, we get a little of the university, mm-hmm. we get a little of the watch, we get a little of the guilds, and you, f- you get a sense, if nothing else, we have to give it credit yep. for this. This city is a fully functioning thing with lots of parts, and every part of it you go to, there's someone we know now. We meet Harry King, who's yep. this great That's, side character. Right, this is the first, is this the first time he yes. shows up? Yeah. Yes. And who's it, it, just, um, piss Harry. He's the guy who literally takes the piss. Yeah. He cleans up the urine buckets and he has built a fortune on cleaning up all the crap nobody wants and, and that stuff and reselling that stuff because you need some, yes, like somebody tan- somewhere needs fertilizer yep. needs the chemicals that come out of urine yep. needs whatever and he's this great sort of vulgar new money guy mm-hmm. and he just wants his wife to have fancy things mm-hmm. and there's a great bit mm-hmm. where the recycled paper comes from him yeah and uh william needs his favor and I think this indicates that William has changed mm-hmm. a little because at the end, he does a very unselfish thing and uses basically, right now he's got Vetinari's favor. And what he uses it for is to make Harry happy. Right. But that's also so that in the future when he asks Harry for something, he can get it. You're trying to, you personally, mm-hmm. are trying to explain the difference to me between uh, performative kindness and genuine kindness. It's because I'm in his head. So I know it's performative. Uh, yeah, but... You. Well, whatever. <laughs> I don't have to like all of my character traits either. Okay. I'm not I'm not the hero of, of any story. God, I hope not. That would be ridiculous. All right. I'm a colorful side character. In you any know case, that. in any case, Harry King, another another great character, I thought. And building this yep. the, the the whole thing out more. But my point is in later books, these guys will be part of that background. Yep. We'll see Sakharissa show up with her notepad. We'll see Otto show up to take mm-hmm. pictures. So he and a lot of these ensemble books are good. Like yeah. um, we Raising Steam is ostensibly a Moist book, but it's really an ensemble book. Yeah. Um, one of the the, the later like, unseen think, academicals, unseen academicals, and one of the mm-hmm. Vimes books, the later Vimes books, is also one of these ensemble books. But as we get more like as the city becomes more mm-hmm. fleshed out, all the Watch books yeah. now have because he's created yeah. this rich tapestry of characters. Whenever he needs someone, he's already got them, which is nice. But anyway, you were, you were anyway, talking so about yeah, but So two more auto things. Uh-huh. One thing that I loved is he has his photographer's outfit, which everyone <laughs> would know is like a fishing vest mm-hmm. um, with all pockets for all of your various uh, gadgets mm-hmm. and gizmos. And he does it uh, as evening dress. So mm-hmm. he has, it's silk red lined on the inside and mm-hmm. it has tails. Mm-hmm. So perfect. Also, I don't know if the listeners necessarily know this. They should from our from all of our wonderful cover art, but you are a photographer. Yeah, that's what I do. So a lot like, of this stuff speaks to... I'm not a podcaster. I'm a photographer. Right. No, and when we do these things together, mm-hmm. my, my pitch is always, well, we could do the show together, and then we could do creative photos. And you're like, ooh, photos. Because I'm like, oh, podcast. Yeah. And by the end of this, we'll have 40-some mm-hmm. themed photos of, of us. So, also, you know. uh, there's a Patreon level that gets you all the extra photos. Yeah, and there's you... so many. There's so many. Each book has probably mm-hmm. four or five, maybe more. 
and they're and pretty good. We do alts, like, yeah, because we'll each come in with a couple of ideas, and mm-hmm. so what you get on the cover is not necessarily all the ones we took. It's so. not even the best one. It's usually the one that fits like the the um like the the yeah. square frame best mm-hmm. for, that makes the best cover. Right. Um, anyway, auto stuff. Uh, and then the my second auto stuff is uh, my quote. Okay. Um. So. Otto uh, is using his camera powers to bully people. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think we both highlighted that yep. bit. If the dwarfs would just close up a bit more, said Otto, squinting into the iconograph. Oh, that's good. Let's see the light gleam on, on those big choppers. Trolls, please wave your fists. That's right. Big smiles, everyone. It is amazing how people will obey a man pointing a lens at them. They'll come to their senses in a fraction of a second, but that's all he needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And actually, my quote as well uh, is an auto quote. Only auto. This is this is near the end when um, uh, everything's starting to like uh, dry up, mm-hmm. and looks like the paper is going to fold right. figuratively, and they all, you know, yeah, and uh, so they all think they're they're out of jobs, and uh, Otto says uh, it is okay. I understand. And I should like to thank you for giving me this job. It means a lot to me, especially since I can see how nervous you are. Which is understandable, of course. I'm not nervous. I'm very much at home with other species, said uh-huh. William Hotley. Again, yeah. I love I love that so much. He's such a fucking poser. Otto's expression was amicable, but it was also penetrative as the smile of a vampire can be. Yes, I notice how careful you are to be friendly with the dwarfs, and you are kind to me also. It is a big effort, which is very commendable. William opened his mouth to protest and gave up. All right, look, it's the way I was brought up, all right? My father was definitely very in favor of humanity. Well, not humanity in the sense of, I mean, it was more that he was against. Yes, yes, I understand. Uh, And that's all there is to it, okay? We can all decide who we're going to be. And that's a very Terry Pratchett Mm -hmm. thing that I love. We can all decide who we're going to be. And Otto talks about that as well. Yes, I am not the B word. Yep. And he, why he respects William is Otto's trying to change yes. and he can see William trying to change too. Yes. And th- again, that is what drives the second half mm-hmm. of this series are all people who are trying to overcome their worst nature and be right. better people. And and that's why I like Vine so much and and there's so much. I mean, there's a lot of that in Granny uh-huh. too. There's like the best Discworld characters are like that except Tiffany. Tiffany's growing up. Yeah. She's not bad yet. No, she's 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 <laughs> just yeah. the only nature she's fighting against is childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Also a great character. Yeah. But I'm saying she doesn't really fit that nope. that pattern. Uh, all right. So probably should start wrapping things up here. Shall I pune? Yes, please do. Um, Good Mountain shook his head. This is unholy stuff, he said, talking about the dark light. No more meddling with it, understand? I didn't think dwarfs were religious, said William. We're not, said Good Mountain. But we know unholy when we see it. And I'm looking at it right now. I'm telling you. I don't want any more of these, these... Prince of Darkness. Because they're taken by a vampire with the dark light. <laughs> and their photos. Yeah. All right. Amazing. So for our cliche count, uh, something that happens to other people only happened once. And that was, I was kind of bending mm-hmm. the rules there, but it was, it, it did count. Uh, no quantums, three surreptitious, which is too many. I'm sorry. Uh, no sussurations, and five gingerlies. Oh my god, it happened so much. So many five gingerlies. All right, what's your grade? Uh, C minus. Fucking hated it. Hated this book. I gave it a C. I, middle of the road. Hmm. Like, 
I still stand by the parts that I like, but they were not enough. They were a hundred of the 300 pages. I was really hoping since I'd seen a bunch of those old reporter movies, I'd be more into it. This yeah. Time. I thought maybe he drew on like uh, his girl Friday. Yeah. Or that, that stuff, lousy but... ace in the hole, but yeah, no, nothing. Nah, nothing like that. Nope. I, I hated this about as much as I've always hated this. Yeah, and we yeah. thought you hadn't read it in 10 years, maybe, you know. Yeah, I've, I've, I've read it once or twice, and I yeah. keep, it's one of those, I keep coming back to it. It's like Lord of the Rings. I keep trying it again. I keep fucking hating it. Yeah, I finally gave yeah. up on that. Sorry, don't like Lord of the Rings. All right, well, that's all for this time. Next time, Thief of Time, which is another Susan book. Yeah. And uh, has some really fun stuff. I, mm-hmm. I like that one. I've reread it a few times. Uh, quite good. So, There's only one more really bad book. And that's the one after that. Bullshit. Yeah. But then 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 we have the next ten to twelve. Yeah. Smooth sailing. Oh my god. That 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 Maurice Hump is coming. God, I <sighs> Yeah, I know. We're Let's almost just, there. We'll just listen to it in one day. Just put it on three times speed. Yeah, three times speed and just lay on the ground and wait for it to be over. Yep. All right. Well that's all for this time. This has been a co-production of Ron Algarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019 and 2020. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcast.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.